You're listening to The Nancy Gaines Show. The goal of this podcast is to help business owners be successful and gain the advantage. Nancy has helped some of today's top Fortune 500 companies across a wide spectrum of industries work through their toughest challenges. She can help you too. So if you can't find the solutions you need, there are no more books to read or workshops to attend. The Nancy Gaines Show can be the difference between your success and failure. And now your host, Nancy Gaines. Hi, this is Nancy Gaines, and welcome to The Nancy Gaines Show, where we provide actionable ideas for entrepreneurs to grow their business and be even more productive. The focus of today's podcast is all about a copywriter's uncensored approach to small business productivity. And I'm super excited to have an amazing guest, Nate Wright. Let me tell you all about him. He is the founder of Small Biz Triage, a company obsessed with relentlessly helping small business owners grow their companies to support an independent and generous lifestyle while also injecting humanity into their business. This is done by connecting other businesses, so that you can fill your calendar with ready-to-buy prospects. Bottom line, they help you with your copywriting with handcrafted email templates, savvy cold email platforms, well-constructed A-B testing. They basically uncover the best messaging for you using a scheduling platform, social media, and savvy follow-up. Welcome, Nate. Thanks for sharing part of your day. What else do you want to add to that introduction? I think you covered everything. And the copywriter in me is like, man, I need to rewrite that. <laughs> I, I liked it. It was just a little hard for me to get out sound really smoothly, but I liked what the message is. So basically, after looking at your website, it sounds like you basically target, write, configure, test, and send amazing emails so people get more clients. Is that right? Yep. So your, so your vision is better. I'm in the wrong business. <laughs> Well, simplicity is one of my core values for our company, so I, I like easy. But let's dig into each of those steps because they are really powerful no matter what we name them. So targeting, when you work with somebody, I know so many business owners that really struggle finding their perfect target audience, their perfect niche. How do you make it easy for them? Honestly, I don't think the process is ever easy because That's small true. business owners, they, especially the ones that are really, really passionate uh, about a service or some sort of product that they're pushing out to the world. They want everyone to appreciate it as much as they do. And you just can't be everything to everyone. Uh, so we have a couple exercises we do to minimize the pain, but oftentimes uh, in writing, they call it murdering your darlings. Sometimes <laughs> the same things that you really want to do. For example, for us, uh, I would say three years. We've been in business uh, nine years next week. And in that time, we've had a lot of spinoff ideas, sub-businesses, uh, different niches we tackled. And we were convinced that we were going to be like the nonprofit marketing crew. And uh, it was just not a good target for us for a long list of reasons. So even though the passion was there and the demand was there, the math didn't add up and the personality fit and some of the other soft and gooey stuff that's involved in business relationships wasn't there either. So we had to kill that off. We had to murder the darling in that case, murder off, you kill off your favorite character on game of Thrones. So the way we shorten the process is we use different frameworks. Uh, one framework that we use 
is one that I've stolen, <laughs> completely stolen from uh, Derek Sivers, the guy that wrote, uh, he wrote Anything You Want, uh, former, uh, he's the founder of CD Baby, a really sharp guy. He talks about confident exclusion and how if you could confidently exclude certain segments and groups and customer types and personalities from from conducting business with you, that it will actually increase the level of attraction for that center of bullseye client or customer. So that's one framework we use. I like that because I know I can totally describe the characteristics of the people I really love working with. Mm-hmm. But when someone says, well, how many employees do they have? How much revenue do they have? What industry are they in? Because everyone wants to like really niche it down into this industry. I'm at a loss of words. I still struggle with that myself. But I know I like working with people that take action, that are decisive, mm-hmm. that want to change. Because you can't sell the people if they don't want to change. Yeah, and I that's tried some- that. Yeah. That's uh, that's something I learned from my sales coach, uh, Anthony Honorino. His last book, uh, Lost Art of Closing, is talks a lot the you know commitments, the different levels of commitments you need to take someone from a stranger to you know a signed check. And I think one one of the hardest ones in there for me personally was that commitment to change. That, that especially when you're in a coaching space or a consultant space. Or something that may be in the medical space uh, where it's invasive or embarrassing for people to talk about. That, that commitment to change is really, really hard to get. And that's why the targeting is so important. So the other framework we use is making a list of the hard value and the soft value. Hard value being it'll save you time. That's measurable. So anything measurable. Save you time. Make you money. You know, soft value being we're really cool. You're really cool. We should totally hang out. Oh, we'll do business too. Or uh, it's going to make you feel sexy or confident. So so the, the soft value and the hard value, when you look at that and start mapping out those things, you, you, you look at overlaps and similarities. And, and going through that exercise will help you reveal the target because when you run your product through that or your service, like for example, if someone's doing uh, training for uh, for chiropractors, that's something we worked on recently. Training for chiropractors. Yeah, so chiropractors, okay, my target is every chiropractor. Wrong. <laughs> Hard value and soft value. So when you start looking at your product or your service through that lens, you'll see where things don't match up. Well, geez, if they're a chiropractor that just got out of school, they probably are more worried about revenue generation than they are about, uh, you know, refining their patient care processes and their follow-ups. That's true. So would you count that as the hard value or how would you, in your example, which of those are hard value and which of those are soft value? So the hard value in that space, if I was going after a center of bullseye target, would be that if you receive this training, you can deliver the correct care to your patient faster. And then the soft value is the is that there, there's a process or a method in place 
to teach you how to get and entice that person back to continue getting care, even if you fixed their problem. Continue exploring. So that's the soft value because it's not, it, it is a way to kind of measure it, but it's not easily measurable. And that's the basic litmus test. People buy based off of the warm and gooey, but they justify their decision based off the numbers. That's true. I've heard it as people buy with emotion and back up with logic, something like that. Mm -hmm. Same thing. So since copywriting is one of your core skills, and you, we talked about humanitarian writing, or hu writing individually and all that, tell, tell us why your approach is different than just basic copywriting, like the people side of it. The people side of it, a few things. When we're writing for somebody else, we need to be chameleons. We need to adapt ourselves to how they talk. Well, we, we need to, to write in a voice that's the best version of that person. And sometimes, I'm not going to name any names, but we all, we all love them just the same. I love all my kids just the same. Uh, <laughs> there are folks that are very bland. They have little to no personality. But there's always something about someone that we can inject into the writing, into, into, into the writing that will actually resonate with a stranger. Because there are certain things people look for. If they're reading something, if they're uh, consuming and digesting the written word or a spoken word, it could be a voiceover script and uh, in a video or the titles you put on or the, uh, the overlay text on an image or memes or any of that, just words. So, what the, so there's three things we do. One, the out loud test. Well, I, well, if it's our writing, we'll read it out loud. Now, if I was writing for you, based on how you read my intro, that would be, we would completely rewrite that because you were biting down on the words. That's not something you would say in conversation. <laughs> I talk that way, though. That's just kind of, that's how I talk. I might throw a couple F-bombs in there and some other colorful language. It's not very appropriate, but that's how that's how I talk. So we would adapt to that. And we would, not just the word usage, but also the pacing, the tone, the length of sentences, things like that. So it needs to pass the out loud test is the first thing. The second thing is, especially when you're selling something that requires some level of intimacy. So for a business consultant, it would require someone to share their books and their books might be ugly. In the fitness space, it would be, yeah, I've got, you know, I'm shaped like a pear. Let's talk about my fat. <laughs> like really <laughs> uncomfortable topics, nutrition. Right, right. Uh, and even stuff that seems more mundane, like someone that's fixing radiators for a living. I know, like, you know, a man's man. I like to consider myself a man's man. I'm not, but I'll go to a radiator shop and they're like, yeah, I, you know, I, you know, my radiator blew and this is what I think is wrong. And I have to like, just basically admit that I'm awful at maintaining my vehicles, that I'm not a man's man. <laughs> so anything, anything that requires that level of intimacy, you need to share little tidbits about yourself that says, you know what, I could actually get along with this person. And in some cases, that's sharing failures. 
that's sharing a failure. Oftentimes the front end is like, oh, I've done that. I've fallen flat on my face in that situation before. And it, from a psychological perspective and in just a human to human interaction perspective, it helps drop their guard down a little bit to be more receptive to the pitch. I like that. So basically after you work with them to figure out their targets, you're going to look at some of their examples of writing, maybe previous emails or blogs mm -hmm. to get used to what, how they write. No, because most of them hire us because they don't write well. We listen to how they talk. Oh, okay. Most of them are great closers, but they send an email and it sounds like they either were writing a high school paper or texting something to their girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> I do like your honesty. That's kind of refreshing to have that on the podcast. Very, very cool. So once people... For people who do want to work with you, do they already have to have some sort of lead magnet that you can send an email about? Or do you have to help them with that too? I'd say it's about half and half. About half of the business owners that come to us, uh, they're, they're looking to optimize. They're looking to get more gas mileage out of their business engine. Right? The other half are folks that are either stepping into a new industry or a new role. We have a lot of people we worked with that actually are going from, you know, executive corporate types that are becoming authors or consultants or someone that's been working in, you know, in the, in the safety of a Fortune 500 company. And now they've got a mortgage, you know, two and a half car loans to cover and a college fund that they're trying to piece together for three kids off of a self-employed income. And they they don't even know where to start because they had people for that before. They had whole departments. Someone else is footing the bill. So I would say it's about half and half. Yeah, you know, either, you know, building the engine for them, helping them teasing out a good offer, or they may have a good offer and there's things we could do. Like I mentioned before, hard value and soft value, different techniques for building trust improve the offer increase the conversion rate. And that's something that is measurable. So I was like one of those people that left corporate world and mm -hmm. launched my own business. And I can tell you going from being an entrepreneur and being an employee are totally different skill sets. Mm -hmm. And in the meantime, you do have your mortgage and your 2.5 car payments and all that other stuff. How long realistically does it take for this to catch on and for people to see results? Realistically, it depends on how much traffic they already have. When you're talking lead magnets, typically you're talking about a digital marketing channel. So right. it could be a Facebook page tab. It could be a, a landing page. It could be uh, an email campaign. If you already have email, if you're using a scraped list or something of that nature. And it comes down to the traffic and the numbers. So that's why targeting is so important. I would say that in 20, someone asked me this last week, actually, is like, well, this year, what's the biggest myth that you want to bust in the world of email? And the biggest myth is that it's, it, yes, it is a numbers game, but it doesn't mean you need to buy or acquire or lease 100,000 email addresses to get a campaign pushed. Well, what it means is that you need to spend more time with the targeting. So we regularly will send out campaigns that, that are to 100 people or 32 people. 
these small little clusters, like, why would you do all that work to build a campaign for only 32 people? But that the exercise, putting in the repetition on those kind of small campaigns helps you get better at it. And what ends up happening is when you target that closely, you end up getting more replies to your emails. And those replies are starts of conversations. People will tell you how they want to be sold to. They'll tell you what they want to buy. I would totally go for 30 people if they were the right people for me mm -hmm. versus thousands and thousands. That totally makes sense if you're in front of the right people. So can you share a tip? Because I'm sure a lot of people have a big database like I do, and not everybody is as active as we'd like them to be. You talk about warming up a cold email list. So for people that don't know, cold email, they may be on your list. They haven't un unsubscribed, but they haven't engaged either. What's a good tip to warm them back up? I would say that breaking the tempo. So if you're, so there's two, two variants, right? You've got one group of people who you've never emailed before. They don't know who you are. So that's one kind of cold email. Another kind of cold email is someone that you've been emailing for maybe a year or two or three or 10 that's, that's checked out. They haven't unsubscribed yet, but they're not paying attention. In the first scenario, with, with that sort of, where they're a stranger, that's why the targeting is so important. So, uh, so the framework we use, so I'll, <laughs> I'll skip to the ending. Yes, I am that guy that'll turn to the last page of a book and see if the character dies or not, <laughs> right? To skip to the ending, why me, why you, why now, what next? So in a cold, a truly cold email, the email does not need to be in that order. It needs to answer those questions. And that can be done in three sentences. Why me, why you, why now, what next? So why should you I pay like attention that. to me? Why am I reaching out to you specifically? No one wants to feel like they're being mass marketed to. It's like, it's like dating. It's like courtship, right? No one wants to tell the story. It's like, oh, wow, I sent a, I sent a mass text across all those men in the bar and, and Nate was the one that replied. No, <laughs> they want to say that, no, I went and looked at it. All of the men in the bar, man, that his bald head, right? <laughs> my heart a fluttering, right? And that's human psychology. Once again, it, that's just because we want things that are measurable and predictable in business. We're still dealing with the ultimate variable, which is human beings, but human beings are still wired the same way. So understanding the universal truths is really important. Uh, so why me, why you, why now? That's the sense of urgency. So anyone that's been in business for more than a week knows about that. You know, needs to happen now, a ticking time bomb approach, uh, scarcity. We'll do that. I've got three seats left in this workshop, for example. And then what next is the call to action? Calls to action in a cold email typically need to be a yes, no question, not an open-ended question. You need to make it very easy for them. This is starting a conversation with a stranger. Oh, so do you come here often? Okay. <laughs> It's yes or no. So I like why, that. Why do you come here? Uh, who are you? <laughs> I like that. Yeah. So we touched on a lot of different stuff kind of all over the board. Could you sum it up what your company does and who's an ideal client for you? Because I kind of just took us down lots of different things that I wanted to know about your company. Yeah. So why doesn't it come from you? Our center of bullseye client 
we've got two clusters. The reason why is why there's multiple partners in my company. One of my business partners focuses purely on MailChimp and e-commerce. So anyone that has a Shopify store or WooCommerce store that's trying to get people to sign up for a list to begin with, to buy something via that email and to come back and buy more later for just about any product. But that particular tech stack, we're really, really, really good with. Actually, Seth, uh, as the guy I'm talking about, was flown out to MailChimp headquarters in Atlanta to consult them on how to improve the changes they're making to the platform in 2018. He is one of the top experts in the country. So when it comes to newsletters and product, we're talking physical product and digital products that are packaged as physical products, that's a center of bullseye client. Small though. And temp, honestly, most large businesses don't use MailChimp because when you start getting into like 100,000 plus emails, it gets expensive, really expensive. So the, the platform itself at targeting, once again, the platform itself is more friendly to small business owners. So by zooming in on the platform, it helps weed out the bigger businesses where stuff just isn't tactically appropriate. And so it's folks in that space that want someone to do it for them or want to be taught. And right now it's about half and half. Half of our clients says, hey, could you teach me how to do this? And we teach them. And the other half is like, hey, I don't have time. My business is blowing up. Could you just take this off my plate? The other half is the cold email stuff that I mentioned. And that's more in the business to business space. Uh, consultants, coaches, uh, authors, uh, recruiters, people selling uh, software. Like enterprise software, it's usually a lot more involved. It's not something you can just go into Amazon and buy. So the cold email, that's the same thing. Half training and then half done for you. And it's priced by the month. Is that right? <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing because uh, this is the part where it's like, we take MasterCard, Visa, American <laughs> Express, but not Discover. <laughs> PayPal, but not. I had someone try to offer me Bitcoin couple weeks ago and I'm like, no, no, I can't pay rent in Bitcoin. Uh, the payment terms, we have a lot of different things. In some cases, we have some small flat fee packages, you know, anywhere from a couple hundred bucks to thousand plus. We, we do a lot of work on Upwork. And for small business owners, that's a pretty good fit because there's a lot more payment protection. So the trust level is higher. And it's, it could be weekly capped. So a lot of our clients will hire us for two hours a week or capped at two hours a week. And some weeks they need only 45 minutes of training and the following week they may use up all two hours of training. So it's a better kind of pay as you go and help spread the fiscal burden a little bit. So we've been pushing a lot more clients that direction. Descriptions as well, but most of the time it's, People don't think they know what they need, but they really don't know what they need until we get out of the hood, figure out what's really wrong. Yeah, I thought your pricing was great because people that just want to try to see if it, this is the right fit can get started and those that want a relationship can do the same thing. So very, very cool. Let's switch gears and we're going to give you the fun question everybody gets on my show because we're all about getting back time to do what we love. So, Nate, if you had one more hour in your day, 25 hours every day, how would you spend your extra hour? Whew. That is a good question. Um, I mean, it's, 
it's going to sound a little warm and fuzzy, but I wouldn't work. I think I would just, that's like, awesome. <laughs> I would just snuggle up with the lady and relax a bit. I have a, you know, I've got, you know, two daughters that are teenagers and a blind dachshund and an awesome fiance. And it's, she's, she's been holding me together for quite a while now. So I think she's earned that extra hour more than an extra hour. <laughs> that's a perfect answer. I love when people say yeah. they want to spend more time with their family or yeah. improving self-care or reading. So that, that I, is I a great say answer. Spending time with my family, but my daughter had one of these, I hate you dad and slam the door in my face when I dropped her off at the high school today. So <laughs> <laughs> she's getting voted out of my dream today. <laughs> I would never go back and repeat my teenage years, even for a million dollars. I think those are the worst years, just <laughs> trying yeah. to figure out how to be a teen, how to get along with your parents, your siblings. So is she close to being 20? Uh, she is 17. And oh. uh, she's autistic. Three more years. Yeah, autistic though. So it's added a, it amplifies everything. It's a giant amplifier for all of the teenage things. So. <laughs> Yeah. Everyone keeps saying it's normal. And I was like, no, no, don't say that. That's, if this is normal, then, I'm, then this is already, I'm living already in a, a certain strange hell. I do not <laughs> want to believe that. I want to be ignorant and blissful. Shut up. <laughs> well, you're in the home stretch for sure. Oh. Hey, before we wrap up, you were talking about a new program that you've got that's going to be launched shortly. Are you comfortable sharing that? Well, yeah. I would not be very good at my job if I said no to that. Uh, yeah, so we've done a lot of training over the years as hired guns. So companies will hire us to train their people in email marketing, copywriting, LinkedIn outreach, et cetera, et cetera. And we've learned a few things having done it thousands of times now. Uh, so we formed our own kind of a, a business fitness gym. So once a week, we'll hop on a call, groups of 10 or less, and we'll work on writing for a business and each week we'll have a different focus sometimes we'll bring in cross trainers screenwriters novelists you know uh, ad copy specialists and just put in repetitions so instead of being a talking head we'll spend five or ten minutes explaining the concept it's like all right everyone hop into the google doc let's start writing and put in some reps critique as we go and do some reinforcing stuff throughout the week and then rinse and repeat the next week. So it's called Inbox Attack. So inboxattack.com. And I will be supplying a awesome discount code to do a, a no credit card trial for your listeners. Uh, when I say I will, it means I need to actually go. <laughs> <laughs> so. We've got some time before this podcast will go live, yeah. so no hurry. So what I'm hearing you say is people that did not study copywriting like you did in school can actually be good copywriters. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not one of those things that you know anyone could have six-pack abs and have this body, but everyone certainly could capture their their speaking voice way better in writing there's most business owners i talk to that are actually making money they actually have a real business making real money they know how to sell they know how to close but when they write it doesn't translate over and that's what this program is for 
is that you know how to sell, but it's but when you send an email out, it's crickets. Or if you're trying to leave, leave in a voicemail on someone's phone, you, you get nothing back. Because for some reason, when people step into business moments, it's recorded or it's a voiceover, or if it's an email or a blog post or a headline, they, they, they get all formal or salesy with that. And that's not how they are in real life. So this, this course is designed to, to rewire that bad habit into a more human habit, but grounded in the science. I am super excited to check this out. Let me know when the link's ready. I'll put it in the show notes, but also I want to check it out because it sounds really, really powerful. Nate, is there anything else that I didn't think to ask you that you want to say on this show? Uh, actually, just something totally unrelated. Uh, one of the things, reason uh, my team reached out to you in the first place was about productivity. And that's something that I was like, whoa, we got get a geek out on productivity. And I appreciate you letting me talk about myself the whole time because I am quite self-centered. Anyone that knows me knows, but uh, you know, that's, that's something that I'm kind of curious about the trends because that's something we, we, we teach our clients, not because we're productivity teachers, but because in some cases they need to write more consistently like e-commerce store owners need to make sure they're pushing out at least two news- newsletters a month. So building that habit, means they have to be, become more productive to make time to actually write. To actually Absolutely. People are busy. I'm busy. Mm-hmm. And I realized my passion is helping business owners get back to why they love their business. They wanted the freedom, the time freedom, the money freedom. And instead, a lot of them are getting really wrapped up in having to get things done because the world's busy and expects things fast. So my passion is finding people back at least an hour a day by putting more automation and systems in their business. Routines, you could call them processes because a lot of people automatically think technology. But it could be as simple as theming your days, meaning today I don't go out anywhere and network. I sit home and I do my writing. And maybe tomorrow I do podcasts and then I go out the next two days and meet face-to-face with people. That's a total productivity tip that a lot of people have this aha moment when you tell them. It's interesting you mentioned that because that is – that is, I'm a bit of a, you know, an amateur productivity pro because I'm always experimenting on myself and I've, I've come a long way and very familiar with it. But yeah, someone introduced the concept of those theme days. Like today is, this is the, uh, you know, creation theme today. So I need to create a piece of content or a video or something. Another is, is, is admin and another is, is actual, you know, working on yourself you know, self-improvement, education, stuff like that. And I've been so focused in trying to build a perfect day that has all those different ingredients instead of doing theme days. And I have found that when I'm able to adhere to that structure, I get way more done, but I've been doing it the other way for so long. I've been in so many repetitions, breaking out of that, that 15 to 20 task a day cycle instead of three or one giant task. That has been, <laughs> it's been hard. <laughs> really, well, Anything really. different is hard. Change is hard. But once you practice it, it gets easy. The reason I love theme days is for two things. One, I know what I have to do that day. I don't wake up as an entrepreneur thinking, well, what should I do? I've got all this to do. I already know that's my day for writing or working on the business. And the other thing I just learned is your brain loses 
efficiency when it switches between tasks. So if I was doing a podcast and as soon as we hang up, I'm going to go try to write. Well, right now I'm in podcast host mode and and I should do all my podcasts back to back because I'm in that frame of mind. If I keep jumping to make a sales call or write a proposal, I can't switch that easily. Nobody can. Well, 2% of the people can do it, but the rest of us can't. Yeah, and, that, and that's something that's, you know, the myth of multitasking. I learned that a few years ago. And that's, you know, if I was to rack and stack, you know, productivity changes I've made in my life, getting out of multitasking was the hardest to do, but had the, I had the biggest yield. Because, I, you know, I track my hours. I use a lot of tools to, to observe what has already happened, like rescue time and things like that. And, yeah, the myth of multitasking. I mean, people argue with me until they're blue in the face. And it's like, let's, you know, with a simple experiment, I can prove it. <laughs> like, <laughs> hold this and hold this. Now say this and do this math in your head. Go. <laughs> like, no one, multitasking. If people don't do anything else but stop multitasking, they will gain back at least 10 hours a week. I guarantee that for sure. Mm-hmm. It's super, super cool. Yep. Well, thanks for giving me a chance to be the interviewee on my own podcast. That's always fun. Yeah, it's, uh, that's, that's more intermediate to advanced copywriting is when you get in the second, when you actually get that first date, you know, after the awkward, do you come here often? The next <laughs> step is asking good questions. That's how. That is true. That, 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 that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> Definitely. Well, do you want to wrap us up with some inspiration, maybe another book? recommendation or one of your favorite quotes that keeps you going? Yeah, I have a lot of quotes that I love. I would have to say John Nesbitt uh, wrote a book called Megatrends in the 80s about uh, kind of like the stuff that's the outliers guy. Oh, geez, I can't remember his name. It does nowadays. And he says, and I, I'm, I'm going to totally butcher the quote, but it's one, one you could find pretty easily, that in a, uh, in a digitally heavy world, a human ballast will arise to, to, to create that balance. So as more and more digital comes into people's lives, that it will self-correct with a human ballast. And that was the... the the, the nexus of this whole unapologetically human philosophy that we're into that concept of the human ballast. So I don't want to wait for business culture to self-correct. I want to go in there and start creating more human ballast using technology and digital means to create more human to human in person or live conversations. I like that. I actually heard the other day we should use automation to get closer to our customers, not further away. Yep. So very, very cool. Nate, thanks so much for taking time to be on the show. Lots of really interesting and valuable information. Listeners, go check out his downloads. And I am looking for business owners interested in becoming part of my CEO inner circle. This is a private coaching group by invitation only for serious business owners who want to get back more control in their company. So getting back your time, energy, and money. Let's have a conversation. Just email me at nancy at nancygains.com. See if it's a great fit. And if you love this show, please subscribe, rate, and review so other people can find us. And until next time, go out 
and gain the advantage. You've been listening to The Nancy Gaines Show, where you can gain the advantage. To schedule a VIP strategy day or speed consulting session with Nancy, connect with her on her website, nancygaines.com. That's Nancy, G-A-I-N-E-S, dot com. On Twitter, Nancy L. Gaines. And on LinkedIn, Nancy Gaines. Be sure to check back on Nancy's website for new episodes. Until next time, you've been listening to The Nancy Gaines Show. Go out and gain the advantage.